Well, this is my first Sabbath in our new home church. Some of you may have heard that uh, we will be transferring our membership here, so I guess it still has to be accepted. But we're moving from Pioneer Memorial Church to Avondale Memorial Church. Um, we had decided that we would allow our boys to choose which church we would go to. And up until just recently, they had a difference of opinion. So my wife and I thought we would need to choose which church we would go to. And uh, they have now come to agreement and uh, are very excited about Plus One and uh, the ministry there. And so that is where they want to go to church. And so that means we become members of your church here. So please accept our membership when it, uh, the request comes through. But it is good to be here with you today. Um, we, uh, a number of months ago, came together with the elders in your church to talk about your transition of pastors. Pastor B Vadim is a friend of mine, so be careful what you say about him. But I know you've loved him here very much. Vadim and Helen are such a blessing. In fact, I had tried to give him a call to the Texas conference, and uh, that didn't work, and he stayed with you, and he assures me that this is a very lovely church, and has said so many good things about this church family, but uh, we, we tried our best to, to hang on to Pastor Vadim here, but uh, Victoria has been after him for some time, and they were finally successful. But in any case, um, we are so happy with the new pastoral couple that you have here. Um, Pastor Abel comes from Coffs Harbor, having been there, I think, about six years, five years. Uh, they were not ready for him to leave yet. I've already been to Coffs Harbor this year, and I can assure you that they are missing him and his family, and uh, there, was an, there were no preparation for him to be leaving. That was not in their mind. But uh, I remember at big camp last year, uh, some members from Coffs, Coffs Harbor approached me and said, please don't take our pastor away. I said, well, you know, he's a very gifted pastor, and pastors do end up moving. He's been there for a while. Please leave him as long as you can. But I already knew that things were uh, in process and that he would be your new pastor here if, if God would lead that direction. Um, I want to share something a, a little bit, uh, kind of an interesting family experience. Um, I went over this week to visit with uh, Dr. Allen and Deidre Lindsay, and uh, it's, it's good to see a recovery in progress, and I know that he's very dear to this church family, and welcome him because I know he said he would be watching this morning. But uh, we, we have a little bit of a challenge in our family because three years ago, I was speaking for the uh, leadership weekend, doing a seminar and so on, and uh, I saw Dr. Lindsay, of course we've seen him in uh, Keepers of the Flame and all of these, you know, the video series and so on, and my wife absolutely loves Adventist history and she loves theology. And so uh, Dr. Alan Lindsay is a hero of hers. And so I just ran, in him, ran into him by the gymnasium there, and I got a photo with him. And my wife was recovering from jet lag, having come over from the United States. She was back in the room getting a little rest. And I came back and said, yeah, I just saw Dr. Lindsay. She said, what? And you didn't wake me up to come and meet him? Uh, she was quite upset at me. And so I, I just wanted to make sure the next time that I was able to see him that I had an opportunity to introduce him to my wife. Well, a few weeks ago... We were here just uh, at, at uh, Steve and Susan McGata's house for lunch. We've been to their home twice. They're very hospitable, wonderful folk. And uh, here comes Dr. Lindsay and Deidre uh, walking down the, the sidewalk, and, and uh, he, he recognized me, and we said hello. And my wife was trying to get us to move over because people were trying to get down the sidewalk. And so rather than moving over to visit further, they just continued on. 
after they had moved on already, my wife realized that it was Dr. Lindsay, and she still hadn't met him. So she did not hold back her frustration. Over lunch, she was still frustrated with me. And uh, in any case, so we were able to visit him together this last week, and it was such a blessing. But uh, he was uh, recognized uh, this week over during our AUC meetings for the influence that he's had on so many young people's lives, and uh, such a blessing. Um, and I know that there are many such members here in this church that have given their lives of service to God, and until heaven comes, we don't know what impact that truly has had, so we praise God for that. I have a card I'm hoping that the deacons, the ushers can help us with, and hand that out now if you could. I like to always have uh, cards available for you to fill throughout the worship service, not at the very end. I'd like you to be able to think about the things that uh, are written there on the card. So we'll hand these out, and I'll just go ahead, we can go ahead and do that now, and I'll just go over the card with you so that when you receive it, you can have an opportunity to fill that out. Uh, the first one is uh, one that I know that you're already very active in here at Avondale Memorial Church, and that is, I would like to meet with others from my church to pray together on a weekly basis. Um, I understand that your, your prayer meeting, you had a, a meeting of prayer last night, is that right, Pastor? And normally you have a very large group that comes out for this prayer. Over 80 individuals. Well, we want to see more prayer, even more prayer happening. And we encourage those of you that haven't been coming out or maybe come out sporadically. We believe that God works through the power of prayer. That's what I believe. And if we want to see people reached here in the North New South Wales Conference, in this community, that we need to be lifting up uh, to God in prayer, those requests. In fact, Jesus tells us that we need to pray for more labors. We need more people engaged in reaching the harvest. And so... Uh, please tick that box if you'd like to, to commit to be part of a, a regular prayer time. The next one is I commit to a daily God moment with my family. Now, we hope it's for more than a moment, but in a minimum, we want to make sure that our lives intersect with God every day. And, uh, and we need to be communicating in our families. We need to be connecting to pray together, to worship together. When we get in our car to go out for the day, we pause, we pray, we connect with God. And so... We want to really be encouraging that one. The next one here is I will begin praying about my financial contribution toward the Big Camp Appeal. Of course, at Big Camp every year now, we have an appeal. This is above and beyond extra resources that we're able to engage in unique opportunities, creative opportunities to reach people with the gospel. Of course, the conference has a budget. We stick to that budget. But we're saying we would like to do some exceptional things, some extraordinary things. This last year, we had a goal of $500,000 for our Big Camp Appeal, and almost $600,000 came in. So we're praising the Lord for that. And you will hear stories at Big Camp of some of the amazing things that have happened all around this conference because of the generosity of God's people. This year, we set a goal for $1 million. And uh, that means, for me personally, that we're going to double the amount that we gave this last year. And so it's sacrificial. We know that but it's to advance God's kingdom. And of course, we know when the Bible talks about laying up treasure in heaven, there's plenty of gold on the streets in heaven. We don't need to be paving the streets of, of, of heaven with more gold. The treasure we're laying up in heaven are souls that are one to God's kingdom. Isn't that right? And so we want to send that on ahead. That's where we want our investment to be. So we encourage you to begin praying about that. It'll be a very special offering. If you can't make it to big camp, of course, we would still welcome your special offerings to help see that move forward. We're praising God for what he's done. The fourth one is what I'm going to be talking about in our sermon today. And that is hospitality, radical hospitality. 
And so what I have here on the card is that I would like to open my home for a meal with a coworker or neighbor during open home, which is June 18 to 22. Now, we don't want you to wait until June to do this, but we're, we're having a special emphasis, and we hope that 500 homes all throughout the North New South Wales Conference are opened up to our neighbors and coworkers on these special dates uh, during this coming year. And, and I'll explain more of what that's all about uh, during our message this morning. The final one is I'm interested in preparing for baptism. Everywhere I go and preach, I hand out this card, and it's amazing uh, just by simply asking that people check that card and said, yes, I'd like to be baptized. So we've had a number of baptism decisions simply by asking and inviting people to fill the card out. I want to share uh, one quick um, experience that's been happening here in our conference, and then we'll, we'll move to the message. We have employed uh, a, an evangelist for our schools. Uh, you may realize that we have about 3,500 3, students in North New South Wales in our schools. That's a lot of students. 80% of those young people are not Seventh-day Adventists. And so we decided to make an investment, and you'll, you'll see a video about this at, at a Big Camp because this has been part of some of the benefit of the Big Camp Appeal has been able to go and help see this become a reality. But uh, we employed someone to be our school evangelist, and we started out in Port Macquarie as our first location. Now, Port Macquarie only has a school that runs through year six. And, and so really, our school evangelist was only working with year five and six students because that's kind of the age that we want to start talking about baptism and encouraging young people to begin thinking about it. I personally was baptized at 10 years of age. And, uh, and, and God led me from there into following him and, and going into full-time ministry. So we believe young people at the age of 10 and, and around that age are ready to make that kind of decision. And so he began working with the year five and six students. The previous five years, 60 young people had finished year six in Port Macquarie, and zero of them had been baptized. Zero. So we have all of these young people coming through that are not Adventists, zero of them making decisions to join God's church. The church began to realize if we don't give them the opportunity while they're with us, the likelihood of them making a decision after they've left is about zero. Now, the Holy Spirit can do anything, but we need to be good stewards of the opportunities that God gives us. So our school evangelists began visiting in the homes of these, of these young people, of their families. And to date, well, by the end of March, we expect that there'll be 30 individuals baptized now, that's young people, and there are some family members that have been baptized as well. So we're just praising God for that. 80% of the non-Avenist students were baptized. So from zero over the last five years to 80% of them now being baptized. So right now, this year, uh, John Boston and his team, uh, Stephen Duncan, we've just picked up as an intern from Avondale. He's going to be joining as an associate uh, there with John they're in Kimsey, a school of 550 students, and we believe that God will give us 100 souls in Kimsey this year. Would you pray for that? Would you pray that God would give us a big harvest this year in Kimsey? And uh, the next year we'll be in Port Macor or in, uh, in um, Newcastle at Lake Macquarie, there at the school, Macquarie College, and then the, the year following that will be Avondale School and Central Coast and so on. But we're just seeing God give us a rich harvest, and we're praising him for what he's doing. Let's bow our heads for an added word of prayer as, as we begin our message. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we've come together to praise you, for the music that we can lift our voices to you, 
for the prayer, for the praise through giving. Lord, right now, as we contemplate this subject of hospitality, what it means to your church here today in Currenbong, here in North New South Wales, right here at Avondale Memorial Church. Please send your Holy Spirit to attend these words and to, and to reach our hearts in the way that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Good here now. There we go. All right. The picture's stretched out a bit um, with, between my computer and your screen, but this is a picture of my family that's here with me in Australia. Um, the other three of my family members are over at plus one right now, but um, I'm, we have three grown children that have stayed back in the United States. Um, once, uh, in fact, we found when we moved from Texas to uh, Andrews University that already our children of such an age, our older children, that they already had their attachment. They're Texans for the rest of their lives. Um, I was born in Texas. It's kind of a different country, so when you say from America, I'll say I'm from Texas, right? And if you go to rural Texas, it's very much uh, actually like some of what you encounter in Australia. Many years ago, I worked in Canberra and was there as an interim youth director for a year as uh, the youth director that was there was off doing some studies. And I, I fell in love with Australia. It became part of my DNA, and I just was always thinking if God would open the door. In fact, I wanted to come and work with Pastor Justin Lawman. That was, I, I, I love him. He's a, he's a good mate, and I uh, thought I would someday be able to work with him. In fact, he said, anytime you'd like to come over, you have a job, but um, I never felt that God opened that door. You know, we need to be where God wants us to be, right? And I just sensed that God, even though I wanted that in my own heart, that God really hadn't opened the door for that. And so uh, when God opened the door for us, we were in actually South Africa when we received the call. I was doing some speaking appointments there. And uh, I, I was to figure out the time for where family was back in the United States and what the time was in Australia and South Africa. I just told George Munoz, just call whenever you want because we'll just have to get the phone and, and answer it whenever that happens. But in any case, we feel very clearly that God has led us here. And uh, right before we came... Um, our boys were baptized there at the Piner Memorial Church. And I can tell you, that's the, one, of the, one of the greatest things we can see happen is to see our kids walk with the Lord, isn't it? See our children follow Jesus. And when they're not, it breaks our heart. And so you will hear me and, and the vision that I have for the conference talk a lot about reaching young people, about focusing, focusing our energy, our resources on young people. That's very intentionally, uh, intentional. And it's not because we want to neglect those that are in the, the older segments. Um, I'm getting to that point myself right now. And I really, you know, I really don't like it when I come together pastor's meeting and I'm probably on the upper age range rather than the lower age range. There's been a shift that started to happen that way. But here's what I want to challenge you with. If you have children or grandchildren that don't walk with the Lord, you want us to focus on the younger people, don't you? Because your joy will be most complete when you see your children and your grandchildren walking with Jesus. So we are actually looking after you uh, that are in the older segment when we're focusing on the young people. Is that fair enough? We're not ignoring you, we're actually going after your greatest heart's desire and that's to see your kids and grandkids walk with Jesus. So is it all right if we focus in that direction? And we covet your prayers because we believe God is going to do amazing things as we reach our young people for Jesus. Let's see if this is working still. There we go. So there's the baptism right there. Um, I want to focus on radical hospitality, the key to unlock your neighbor's heart. 
And because I've just come from teaching, one of the things we like to do is we like to give our students quizzes. Now, they don't like that, but I found that when you're not being graded, it's okay because you'll listen and enjoy trying to, to hear the answer to the question I'm asking. It'll help keep you awake. Is that all right? Fair enough? We don't want anybody having a Eutychus moment during church because I do not specialize in resurrections, all right? So stay awake. According to a recent study, what is the next big public health issue? Is it drugs, obesity, loneliness, or tardiness? All right. What is more powerful than the best sermon? An orchestra concert at the opera house. The influence of a Christian home, a trip to the Holy Land, or who's your best cook in the church, right? Their, their best dish that they bring to the potluck. What was wrong with both used vehicles that the Evans family purchased? That's my family. Was it a headlamp that was out, a rip in the driver's seat, a broken windscreen, or the check engine light was on? You'll have to listen to know the answer to that question, right? What does the word hospitality mean in the Greek language in Romans 12, 13? Friendliness toward animals, mutual love for one another, fellowship with other believers, or love of strangers? So you have to listen very carefully to get the answers to these questions. We live in a society that is becoming increasingly isolated. In fact, we live in a world of virtual friendships. How many of you are friends on Facebook, on Facebook with somebody that you really don't know very well? There are a few of you that I'm sure are using Facebook, and uh, people put the friend request in, and, uh, and they say, well, I'm not sure that I know this person, but I know somebody they know, so we'll be friends. So this is really a new day, isn't it? And we know our young people, in fact, Facebook's kind of really for a, a, you know, the a more older generation, um, because our young people are into different things when it comes to social media. But these virtual friends that we have, I have probably a couple thousand of them, I guess. A lack of quality time. So what we see happening so many times, and you see this. I remember uh, we went to the park shortly before we moved to Australia there in Michigan. And uh, as we're in the park, here are people sitting on park benches. They're walking. They're riding bikes. And everybody's on their phone. Before, we would go to the park to spend time with one another, to spend quality time together. And now we go to the park, and everybody's on their phone, right? There's a lack of quality time. And this happens in families, too, where we pick up the devices, and we're all looking. We're, we're living somewhere else rather than living in the present and experiencing that quality time together. This video um, illustrates it. I've, I've captioned them. Don't, don't worry about the audio on it. But you notice what's happening here. Everybody's experiencing the event through their phone rather than really living the event. And they're asking, is this really quality time to simply come together and you're experiencing it through your phone? But of course, this becomes an advertisement for GoPro that starts remotely and you don't have to worry about holding your phone. Uh, in any case, I'm not promoting that necessarily, but a recent study came out that says loneliness actually kills. That's the conclusion of a new study by Brigham Young University researchers who say they are sounding the alarm on what could be the next big public health issue on par with obesity and substance abuse. Loneliness actually can kill. Now, here in Australia, there's a survey called Natural Church Development. I don't know if your church has conducted this survey, and we really highly recommend it, because it gives a picture, a snapshot, of how healthy 
a church is functioning. There are eight categories in this particular survey that relate to church health, including inspiring worship, holistic small groups, empowering leadership, all these different kind of categories. And to receive a score in each of the categories, there are 86 questions on the survey. In the bottom 10, for, for, for Australia, actually this is for the North New South Wales Conference, in the bottom 10 questions, we find these three. I find it easy to tell other Christians about my feelings. We as Adventists like to talk about intellectual things. We like to discuss theology. But you realize that we're holistic beings. And our emotions are also part of who we are as human beings. We can't focus on the head to, to the neglect of the heart. And I believe it's important for us to be able to share on an emotional level with one another. Scripture teaches this. And yet we as Adventists here in the North New South Wales Conference seem to have a little trouble with that. In my small group, we trust each other. We're saying, really, we don't really trust that we can share our feelings, our emotions with one another in those small group settings. Our leaders show concern for the personal problems of those in ministry. Do we just want to get the task accomplished, get the job done? Or do we really care about how life is happening in those that we're serving together with? And so these are areas that obviously we need growth in and we need to see improvement in. I believe these are some of the signs of a relationally disconnected church. Signs of a relationally disconnected church. Potluck is reduced to once a month. Now try to understand why would churches do this. Now I haven't done my research to find out how often you're doing it. I do that on purpose. So that I'm not, you, can, you can't say I'm purposely trying to offend anyone. But one of the reasons that potluck reduces to once a month is because it seems like a lot of hard work, all right? And so it just seems like a lot of hard work to come together and have a meal together. Well, if that's our perspective, I can understand why we only have it once a month. But I believe that it's important for us to connect relationally as much as possible. So uh, let me just ask you right here, do you have a special dish that you like to make? Do you cook? Yeah, I do. And what, what do you like to cook? Um, sweet potato curry. Sweet potato curry? Wow. Do you like hot food? Is it hot? Spicy a bit? A bit. I like spicy food. Yeah, okay. So what is your name? Yasmin. Yasmin. Okay, Yasmin likes to make... Do any of you want to try Yasmin's dish, the sweet potato curry? Okay. Now let me give an example. Some of you don't like hot foods, so that's okay. The rest of us will enjoy her curry. So I want to just share with you, if Yasmin brings that dish to church, and she gets up early and she makes it, and... She brings it, and everybody eats it, and she goes home, and she does the same thing again the next time there's a potluck. I want to show you what a difference it can make when we affirm one another. Yasmin, I noticed you brought your dish again. You, did you see it was the first one gone today? Everybody wiped it out. It was gone. In fact, we had some guests who were here with us today, and they went back for seconds on your dish. Thank you for what you're doing. It's making a difference. Do you see the difference? when we affirm one another? Do you think she's ready to make that dish next week? She'll bring a double helping next week, won't she? <laughs> I believe one of the jobs of leaders in the church is to go around affirming and building up one another, encouraging one another so we don't grow weary in doing good, right? When we come to, together to fellowship, it makes a difference. And it's so important that we do this. 
The next one here, the church empties quickly after the worship service. Now, some churches are in the habit of ushering, ushering folk out. I believe that we can come together and that fellowship is something that's spiritual, if we look at it biblically. We're not making business deals in the congregation, right? We're loving each other. We're visiting with each other. We're giving one another hugs. And the healthiest churches, people stay around long after church is finished so that they can connect relationally. It's a drive-in church. It means the members live far away. That's another sign of a relationally disconnected church. And the next one here is there's no interaction with members outside of Sabbath morning. So the members come together, they see each other on Sabbath morning, that's it. There's no other connection during the week. That's not going to deepen relationships if that's all we see one another. Now, I want to illustrate something else here. And uh, this, is what, this is how we often do our Sabbath schools is we just sit down. And what are we doing when we sit down in Sabbath school? We're sitting down and we're looking at the back of someone's head. If I'm just looking at my brother's head right now, let's say this might be Ted Wilson in front of me. <laughs> All right, I know who you are. We're on 3ABN together. But um, looking at the back of someone's head does not produce a relationship, does it? No. And so when we come together, if all we're doing is sitting in church, looking at the back of someone's head, we're not going to be deepening relationships. Transformation truly happens when we're living in community, when we're living in relationship together. So why not just stay home and listen to the sermon on television? Now, we recognize that some individuals aren't able to get out to church, and we're thankful for 3ABN. We're thankful that uh, this worship service is broadcast out to those that aren't able to make it for, to church. But why not for the rest of you that are here today? Why not just stay home and listen to Dwight Nelson preach? And I always tell people it's going to be a better sermon than I preach. Might as well stay home and hear Dwight Nelson. Or David Ashrick. Uh, Kingscliff Worship Service is now being broadcast uh, on Hope Channel. Why not do that? Now, there are times where that's important, and we appreciate ministries like 3BN and others that, that do these broadcasts. But the reason that we come together on Sabbath morning, the reason Scripture says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, is because we need fellowship. We need to experience community. And that's why it's important that we look for as many connecting points as possible when we come together to worship. I was just at Kingsclip Church this last Sabbath. Incidentally, it's a church that scored very well in this survey of church health. They have a long break between Sabbath school and church. Why? It gives an opportunity for people to connect with each other. Sometimes we're worried about being efficient and we fail to be effective. Efficient is let's keep things flowing, let's keep things moving. Effective is let's encourage those relationships to happen. Let's look for those connecting points. There's some signs of relational disconnectedness that can happen during the week. Uh, when our relationships are limited to social media, when the family doesn't sit down together to eat a, at least one meal together, when there's no interaction for those that are in the workplace, we don't interact with our work associates outside of the workplace, and when we're busy to the extreme, these things impact our connectedness. The problem is many times our relationships are skimming the surface. They're not going deep. They're just on the surface. The solution to this is radical hospitality, biblical hospitality. I want to give you my definition of what that is. Opening one's heart 
and home as a demonstration of the love of God. That's what radical hospitality is, opening one's heart and one's home as a demonstration of the love of God. Hospitality takes courage. It takes a willingness to risk. Now I want to show you some welcome mats here. There's some creative ones. This particular one says that you can either escape or enter. Next one here, you're going to weigh in at the door. Make sure you don't eat too much while you're there, right? This one sounds like something you get on the telephone sometimes. Please stay on the mat. Your visit is very important to us. Your knock will be answered in the order it was received. Got dirt? This was a good one from Texas, where I'm from. Hey, y'all. Beware of the dog. Now, fortunately, it looks like a very little dog there, right there. But look at this one. Beware of the cat. That's a mountain lion in that house. This one's very romantic. A fisherman lives here with the best catch of his life. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that romantic? Ladies, do you want your husband to set out a, a, a doormat like that? I think that's absolutely beautiful. You are here. You've arrived. So New Testament hospitality, let's begin to look, look at this. You know, I think we say we like, would like to be like the early church. We like to be like the church of Acts. But we, are we willing to do what they did? Or we simply say, oh, we, we would like to see that kind of growth in our church. We'd like to see the Holy Spirit poured out. Are we willing to do what that early church did? Take a look at this. So continuing daily with how often? Daily. This wasn't once a week on Sabbath morning. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread how? From house to house. They weren't gathering every day in the synagogue there or in the temple. They were gathering from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. What was the result of breaking bread daily and fellowshipping daily from house to house? It says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. So even the church, friends, was open every day of the week. Homes were open every day of the week. We talk about total member involvement, one of the significant initiatives of our general conference. I think it's a wonderful initiative, total member involvement. When we talk about radical hospitality, this is truly an area every church member can be engaged in. I like this verse right here. Of course, 2020 vision means that your vision's good. Uh, and this, this verse is Acts 2020, so it's easy to remember. I have kept nothing back that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Healthy churches, a New Testament church, a book that follows the pattern of the book of a church that follows the pattern of the book of Acts. We'll have a public gathering, like we're having right now, and we'll also minister to one another and to the community from house to house. The mission of the home extends beyond its own members. The Christian home is to be an object lesson illustrating the excellence of the true principles of life. Such an illustration will be a power for good in the world, far more powerful than any sermon that can be preached is the influence of the true home upon human hearts and lives. So more powerful than Pastor Abel's sermons is the influence of your home upon human hearts and lives. That's serious, isn't it? So the question is, why is the influence of a home more powerful than a sermon? Why is it? Turn to somebody next to you and just give one reason. One reason right now. Go ahead and just turn quickly to someone. Why is the hum influence of, it, 
of a home more powerful than that of the very best sermon? Share with one person next to you, one, one way. Okay, good. Absolutely. Very good. I don't hear people talking. It's okay to talk in church. It's okay to say amen. It's discovery learning. You'll remember it if you say it, all right? Sorry, I come from a teaching background, and uh, this helps. I want you to come up with one reason. I'm not going to move until you set a reason to somebody. I need to see every mouth moving. Share with somebody one reason why the influence of a home is more powerful than the best sermon. It's getting a little better there. All right. Very good. What are some of these reasons? I heard someone say love. Love is in action. It's a demonstration of what it looks like to be a Christian, to live as a Christian, isn't it? It's welcoming. There's a warmth that comes from having somebody to your home. I was blessed to have a particular lady engaged in my life right here. Her name is Beverly Thompson. Now, I think I took this picture, but this was a Sabbath lunch that we had at her home. But this lady and her husband moved from, they'd been missionaries in the Middle East, and they moved to the community I grew up in, which was Walla Walla, Washington. And she had a philosophy that the fun happens here. She had teenage children, and she didn't want them to go have fun somewhere else. They said, she said she wanted the fun to happen at her house. And so she made it very fun. So almost every Saturday night, I was at her home because she said we could come anytime we like. And in fact, she told me that I could invite any of my friends that I wanted. And so I took her up on it and took her at, her at her word. And so here I am. You see, I have holy genes from praying so much, right? No, I was trying to be cool, I think. But uh, there we were celebrating their anniversary on this particular occasion. And by the way, uh, these two girls were the only um, Chinese girls in our school. It was, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of diversity in the school I went to. And I went on dates with both of them. So I, I loved diversity early in my, in my life. And in fact, my wife is Brazilian, as you'll see. So in any case, uh, we just made ourselves comfortable there. Isn't that, doesn't that look good? Now this young man right here, uh, now he is, uh, he's one of the theology professors at, uh, at um, Walla Walla University. Um, this man right here is a, a deacon in his church. And uh, they're engaged in church, right? Uh, we had this great experience. Um, so I grew up having this experience of hospitality demonstrated to me, and it was a very powerful thing, and I wanted to do that in my own life when I had the opportunity. But here's a question, and this is something that's a bit puzzling. Is hospitality a spiritual gift? Raise your hand if you think hospitality is a spiritual gift. Okay. Uh, if it's a spiritual gift, then what that would mean is this, based on how we kind of talk about spiritual gifts. That means that this half of the congregation might have the spiritual gift of hospitality, and this half might not. Do you see what I'm saying? So what I want to challenge us with, is hospitality actually listed as a spiritual gift in Scripture? Or did it make it onto the list some other way? Because you know we have these spiritual gift inventories, and of course you see hospitality on there. So we assume, it, well, it must be a spiritual gift. But I believe we need to be biblical. And is if, if, if hospitality is listed as a spiritual gift, that means that some will have it and some won't. Fair enough? Or is hospitality a biblical priority for all Christians? Which is it? 
we need to take a look and see what Scripture says. So I'm going to look at one passage here, and then I'm going to support it with some inspired writings from Ellen White. Is that okay? Here we go. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 12. We pick up here in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, we start reading about spiritual gifts. The section on spiritual gifts ends in verse 8, okay? But let's read verses 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, that's the end of the segment on spiritual gifts. Did you hear hospitality mentioned? Now, my Bible, we have a new heading that says behave like a Christian. Now, we know those headings were not in the original text, but whoever was translating the Bible, when they came to this section, said there's a transition that happens here between spiritual gifts and another section that talks about how every Christian should behave. All right? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Let me ask you a question. Is love something that is for all Christians or just for those that have a spiritual gift of love? For all Christians, obviously. Are all Christians supposed to abhor what is evil or only those that have a special gift for abhorring what's evil? That's all. I'm not very good at that, so I just, I'll just uh, you know, indulge in evil or whatever, right? Be kindly affectionate to one another. Is that something that's meant for all Christians or just a few? All Christians. So we keep coming down here. Let's, let's continue here the verse. Not lagging in diligent, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Is that for those with a spiritual gift of prayer or is, it, is that for everybody? We're going on here. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. So here's hospitality in the middle of a list that is talking about something that all Christians are to be involved in. Not listed in a separate section with spiritual gifts. Very interesting, isn't it? Let's take a look at what this phrase actually means in Romans 12, 13. This phrase, given to hospitality. The, the word translated given in the original language literally means pursuing, going after it. Now, this is why I like this particular phrase, because some people say, well, it doesn't come really naturally to me. That's okay. Whether that's something that comes more naturally to you or not, what Scripture is telling us here is that we all should be pursuing it, which means all of us, whether we're here and it's something that's a little more difficult, maybe we're an introvert. By the way, if you're an introvert, all you need to do is invite somebody over who's an extrovert, and they'll take care of the conversation, <laughs> right? So there's a solution there. We can't use that as an excuse. Maybe being around people drains you a little bit. That's okay. Make sure you have a lot of people there to help you and you can go slip in the other room for a few minutes, recruit, Jesus, please help me, and then you can come back out and engage again, right? So pursuing means that we're going after it. Now, the word hospitality here, the word that's translated hospitality, is philoxenia, which literally means a love of strangers. Now, strangers are people who we don't know well. These are people that we may have just met. And so really, this verse is talking about the readiness to share hospitality or generosity by entertaining in one's home. That's what this is talking about here. This, this concept of pursuing hospitality, there's also the concept of pursuing love, the same phrase that we read there, diako, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 14.1, like a hunter pursuing a catch. This is something that God wants us to go after. He wants to help us become more hospitable 
in the way that we engage and relate to one another. Now I want to ask you a question here. If somebody's just moved into your neighborhood, okay, let's say I've just moved into your neighborhood, we're living in Cole Point, and I have a neighbor that approaches me, okay, and they come up to my door, and they say, we'd like to welcome you to the neighborhood. We just noticed you moved here. You have a bit of an accent, so maybe you're an American, right? No, no, no. <laughs> so welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, we're guessing maybe you're looking for a home church. If you're looking for a home church, uh, I want to invite you to come to my church where we speak in tongues, we get slain in the spirit. Oh, it's, it's amazing. You love the experience. Now, brother, what's the chance you're going to come with me to church? Very little, okay, he's, he's being a little reserved, very little, right? Very small chance. Do the rest of you agree with that? You move it, but, but you know, sometimes our first invitation to somebody is, hey, come to church with us. That is not natural. In fact, that is not the biblical model. Does God bless that sometimes? Despite it being a very poor method, sometimes God still blesses that we're trying to do something to share our faith. But if I came to you and said, look, wel welcome to the neighborhood, we're a friendly neighborhood. We all know each other. And you know what? We'd like to invite you to our home to come over for a meal. When you get unpacked and you get settled here, maybe in the next week, let's set a time. where would, would, you, would you be willing to come to our home for a meal? Let me ask you, do you have any special dietary needs so we can make sure that we're sensitive to that? What's the chance you're going to accept that invitation? 100%. Do you see the difference between a zero and 100 God's method is the best method. Ellen White says that Christ's method alone will bring true success, and we're to win people's confidence before we invite them. Very, very important. I like this verse here, right here. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Again, all of a sudden we're talking about strangers again. Our neighbors, our coworkers, people who we don't know on a deeper level. Show them hospitality for in doing so. Some have shown hospitality with angels without knowing it. Now, I don't think God wants to reserve this only for a few people that have the spiritual gift of hospitality. I would think that every Christian should be able to have the opportunity of potentially entertaining an angel. Wouldn't that be a great experience? There are two groups of people that we need to offer biblical hospitality to. The first group are those strangers, unbelievers. The second group would be believers. One another hospitality, 59 times the New Testament uses the phrase one another to talk about how we're to relate to our fellow believers, one another. In 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. So there's no question that we need that connectedness, those relationships with one another. The description of an elder, when you come together with your nominating committee, and I sure hope you help your pastor out and do nominating committee once every two years instead of every year. That wears the saints out to have to do that every year. So... I've always encouraged churches wherever I go, go on a two-year calendar. If you grow weary in doing good within the two years, the church board can replace the position. So I want to encourage you in that. But I'm just wondering, when you come together as elders, do you go through the qualities, qualifications of an elder and bring up this one? Titus 1.8 says, an elder is to be a lover of hospitality. There are to be ones that are way along this path pursuing hospitality, and something they absolutely love is to show hospitality. That should be one of the qualifications of an elder. But sometimes, unfortunately, our elders look more like this. They're the ones that are keeping things in line, keeping things in order in the church, getting everybody into shape, right? Or do they look more like this, where they're ready to welcome folk and 
show hospitality and love. Now, in case you question my theology about spiritual gifts and hospitality, I would like to show you this quote from the inspired pen. Is that okay? Do you believe in Ellen White here? I hope so. I believe Ellen White is a tremendous gift to our church. And then when we look at different methods of church growth and methods of ministry, we have the sieve of the spirit of prophecy to put, put a lens onto how we respond to these things. Take a look at this. The Lord has given the work of entertaining to who? All his people. All his people. It is not God's order for one or two to do the entertaining for a conference or for a church. Total member involvement. All hands on deck. A lover of hospitality from Adventist Home is among the specifications given by the Holy Spirit as marking one who is to bear responsibility in the church. And to the whole church is given the injunction, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Is it clear? This is not a special thing that just a few people do and say, oh, they're good at it. Let them do it. This is something that all of us are to be engaged in. After Lydia and her household were baptized, Lydia then invited Paul and his companions into her house. She's a brand new believer. Invited them into her house, which probably became the Christian's meeting place. For once the heart is open, the home is open too. Isn't that beautiful? When we open our heart to Jesus, the natural thing we want to do is open our home as well. So how do we overcome barriers to radical hospitality? I'm going to wrap up quick. I have a story I want to conclude with. We'll wrap up very quickly now. Hospitality is not just for someone else. That's a barrier we need to get rid of. We need to recognize, biblically, every one of us are called to, to show hospitality. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Sometimes simple is better. You don't have to be a great cook. Now, Ellen White says that cooking, cooking wholesome meals, is a 10-talent gift. Isn't that beautiful? It's a 10-talent gift. Look, at, look it up. You don't have to be a sanguine. You don't have to be outgoing. Invite a sanguine to be part of the group, and they'll take care of the conversation. We already mentioned that. So I want to share with you my, my wife's top five expressions of hospitality. I normally like to have her share these herself, but she's over there with our boys. So this is a picture here in Australia. They're in Coffs Harbor. You recognize it, Abel, I'm sure. Here we go. Number five, a countdown here. Home-cooked takeaway food for hungry single students. Kojo and Daniel, please stand up. All right, so you see the, the young man here in the photo? He's here in person right now. He's actually, they eat a lot of food, guys. So, <laughs> and they love my wife's cooking. So they're students from Andrews University, and we would invite them to come to our home because I'm their mentor along with uh, three other students. And uh, not only would we feed them a lot of food, thanks guys, we'd actually give them takeaway food to take home with them. Well, they enjoyed so much, they decided to come and sit, spend three months with us here, and they're taking their classes from Andrews University this semester right here in our conference. Then they go back to their, their sponsoring conferences actually paid for them to come here, so we're praising the Lord for that. But you'll see them blessing our conference. Next one here, number four, introducing our four-legged friends to our two-legged friends. Some of you have hobbies that you enjoy. We enjoy dogs. We enjoy raising golden retrievers. This is our vet, our veterinarian, and his two daughters. They're not Adventist, but we're friends. We've come to know each other well, and they're happy to come to our home, play with our dogs, and have a good time. 
So if you have hobbies, something you enjoy, I know some, of, some folk around here have these backdoor aviaries filled with beautiful birds, and invite people, come over, hey, enjoy my birds with me, and these kind of things are great connecting points with our neighbors and coworkers. Next one here, friends and neighbors for the holidays. This is at our home right here, uh, Christmas Day, and uh, we had my, there's my sister and her husband and my niece right there. This is my boy Lucas, Andre, my wife Mara. This is our school evangelist here. They're away from their, their home and their family, so they said, come along. But who is this bloke in the middle? Who's that guy? This is Robbo. Robbo's our neighbor from across the street. He got a hold of us on Christmas morning and said, did you know American football's on TV right now? It wasn't the Sabbath. He got a hold of us and said, did you know American football? And I, you know, I don't follow it that much, but he thought we'd be interested because we're from America. We made friends with Robbo. You know, we talk quite often. And so my wife simply asked, hey, Robbo, what are you doing today? He said, I don't have any plans. She says, come over and join us. So there's Robbo enjoying Christmas lunch with us. Friends and neighbors for the holiday. One of our favorite ways to, to show love and hospitality. Next one here, international foods. Uh, I had a, a lot of Koreans in my class. They, when one comes to the class, they all sign up, right? They're at Andrews. So I had a big group of Koreans in my class this particular semester, and we decided, my wife didn't know how to cook Korean food, but she looked it up and watched a YouTube video on how to make kimchi soup. When these students walked into our home and saw kimchi soup being cooked, wow, what that communicated to them. So we love to connect with the cultural things when we can do that. Next one here, family fun with foster children and orphans. I want to encourage you to take a look and read about what Ellen White did, and, and, and I'm sure you're going to probably pick up, I haven't read through the stories from Sunnyside yet, I'm sure it's in there. But when she lived right here in Kurenbong, she took in orphans to her home. She writes about that and, and gives a model for all families to engage in ministering to orphans and, and to kids who are, are foster children. And our family's done that. In fact, um, here are two boys right over here who are uh, they're, they're foster children, and they, they would be part of our family many times. They come and stay several nights sometimes. They go on our family outings with us. And then over here are two boys that we were this close to adopting. Everything was done. We got down to the orphan's court, and the older boy... Love coming to visit us, but he had friends in the orphanage, and he said he didn't want to leave his friends, but he liked to keep visiting us. Well, that's not an option. He's from Latvia, from Eastern Europe, but they've been in our home many times, many months, and just enjoyed that hospitality. But the top award is when I actually help in the kitchen. Fair enough? So if your spouse is doing a lot of work and you don't get in there and help with dishes, you don't help clean up, uh, you don't help make the meal, that's not such a good plan. This is something we need to do together and minister as, as, as couples. There in, in Melbourne with Johnny Wong, a whole church, several churches have been formed around hospitality. And I've been there on Friday night with one of those care groups, as he calls them, as they meet in a home, they share a meal together, they do Bible study, they connect. And then on Sabbath, several groups come together and form a church. And they worship as a church community. Beautiful community and fellowship happening there. There's one of the uni church churches that they have. I want to close with this, with this uh, experience that I had. Broken windscreens, healing hearts. Just end with this story. Craigslist is similar to Gumtree, okay, in the United States. And uh, I like to find deals. For the nine and a half years, I was church planning director in Texas. I was also directing the Department of Stewardship. And so I want to be a good steward with money and, 
And that's what we want to do as a conference as well. We want to be generous with God's work. We also want to be good stewards, right? And anyway, I found a vehicle for sale. And uh, it was listed there on Craigslist. It looked something like this. This was the same color, same type of vehicle. Call that a ute here, right? And uh, it was for sale in a suburb that was about an hour away. This is Dallas, Texas, about six million people. This suburb was an hour away. And it had a problem with it. It had a broken windscreen. And so when I went to get the vehicle, I asked the man, Does, do you know anybody who can fix broken windscreens? He said, let me call right now. And so he called up this man, Mario uh, Margarito, and he said, look, uh, I have a car here, broken windscreen. I've just sold it. The man would like to have it repaired. Can you fix it? He said, I can't do it today. I'll drive to his house tomorrow. I said, does he know that I live an hour away? Yes, he had no problem. He'll be at your house. So he shows up the next day at my house with his wife, ready to repair my windscreen. So my wife comes out, and we begin visiting with them. They were from a South American country, and uh, we really connect quite well. And my wife says, you know, sometimes, sometime we should have you over for some Brazilian food. They were very happy to accept an invitation. Remember, 100%, 100% people accept to come to your home simply by asking. So they were ready to come. Now, he's a good businessman and hands me a stack of business cards, and off they go, thinking that they're going to be receiving an invitation to our house for a meal. We never followed up. But God has a way of bringing things back around. So this truck is running well, but we need another vehicle. And so... Uh, Oh, the van was the first time. The next time was this ute. And I found it for sale in the same suburb. Now, there's dozens of suburbs. This suburb's an hour away. The vehicle we ended up wanting to get was in the same suburb. The irony is that it was also the exact same, to the dollar, the exact same price. And it had the same problem, a broken windscreen. This time, I don't have to ask who fixed broken windscreen. I go to the stack of business cards, pull it out. Margarito knows how to fix windscreens. So ahead of time, I arrange for him to pick the, fix a windscreen on this, on this ute. And when I'm there this time, we get our calendars out, and we set a time for them to come to our home for a meal. And so that's what they did. And uh, just show you, by the way, if you see the cookies and ice cream there, this was just before I became a happy vegan. Now, I want to add the word, the adjective happy in front of vegan because some vegans look pretty miserable. And if we're healthy, we should look happy, I think. But anyway, um, I gave up all those kind of things and have been a happy vegan for about eight years now, seven, eight years. But here they are at our home, and uh, you can see the family gathered there. Well, being from South America, they enjoyed football, soccer, and so we went out in the front to play as Brenda, Margarito's wife, stayed back in the house with my wife. As they began to visit, she pours out her heart to my wife, how she'd come across the border into Mexico, didn't have any way to support her family, and made decisions that she regretted in order to support her family, and how she met Margarito, and their oldest daughter was not his child, and that they were having some tensions and trouble in the home, opened her heart simply because we opened what? Our home. She opened her heart. This began a relationship, a friendship, where they came to our home again, and we in, in, ended up inviting them to church because we'd won their confidence. So they came to church. As they showed up to church, a lot of people got out of the vehicle. I don't think they had seatbelts for everybody that was in the vehicle, but they all got out there at church. 
And unfortunately, brothers and sisters, nobody from that church invited them to their home. They lived an hour away from us. Not realistic long-term for them to drive an hour to come to church with us, which they would have done if they lived near to us. I have no question that they would have been in church with us. But that church didn't take up the opportunity that was right in front of them. I want to challenge us. I love this quote right here. There's a great work to be done. Do you agree with that? There's a, there's a great work to be done right here in Current Bong. If you go to your neighbor with your heart all warm and glowing with love, do you not think that you can find, you can find the key to unlock the heart of your neighbor? That's how we do it. It's that simple. We don't have to make it more complicated than that. The key to unlock our neighbor's heart. So I'm going to leave with two challenges. First one is this. Increase the number of fellowship meals at your church. Again, I don't know how many you're having right now. If it's once a month, I want to encourage you to go to twice a month. If it's twice a month, go to every week. If it's every week, start having breakfast. <laughs> Friends, let's not grow weary in doing good. We must come together for the purpose of fellowship. Fellowship is spiritual, and it's something we as Adventists need to take seriously if we want to be like the Church of the Day of Acts. So that's my first challenge. That one's for you as board members to take up at your next board meeting to say, okay, what are we going to do about that? How are we going to address this issue of connecting more when it comes to fellowship? The second one's this. It's a personal one. In the next 30 days, invite a believer, someone you go to church with. Invite a believer to your home and an unbeliever to your home, a neighbor, coworker, for a meal. You can invite them the same time. You can invite different times if you want. That's a challenge for the next 30 days. Now, we have this card I invite you to fill out. We want to collect that. If you can just hand those cards to me as you leave church today, because we're developing a bit of a database so that when we have this open home week that's coming up later, that we can send you more information for those of you that want to do that then. But I want to encourage you to start before then. And just get a show of hands here. How many are ready to take up the 30-day challenge? Can we do that? Just raise your hands up high. Oh, I need to preach longer until more of you get it. Do we want to be a church like the book of Acts? Give it a go. Give it a go. It'll become addicting. You're going to love it. God will bless you in amazing ways. It's radical because it takes courage. But let's do it, brothers and sisters, and see how God blesses. Let's end with the quiz. According to a recent study, what is the next big public health issue? Loneliness. Let's fix it. Let's fix that. What is more powerful than the best sermon? Pastor Abel's sermon. No. <laughs> the influence of a Christian home, right? Next one here. What was wrong with both of the used vehicles that we purchased? We had the broken windscreen. And finally, what does the word hospitality mean in the Greek in Romans 12, 13? A love for strangers. All right. Let's uh, stand together as we sing our closing hymn, hymn 633. Hymn 633. Let's stand together as we're led in our closing.